0: Welcome to the Balanced Black Girl podcast. We're putting black girl magic in motion. This show is dedicated to reinventing wellness for women of color. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Welcome back to the show. If you are a returning listener and thank you so much for tuning in if this is your first time listening to the Balanced Black Girl podcast. I am so happy to have you here, whether you are a new or returning listener. So, this past week, I had my very first meetup, which was a book club meetup for Michelle Obama's Becoming, which was fantastic. A huge thanks to everyone who came. We had an amazing discussion. So much fun connecting with so many of you in real life here in Seattle. It still kind of blows my mind that people listen <laughs> listen to what I share and, and want to hang out and have a community, but Man, we have a really incredible community around the Balanced Black Girl brand, and I am just so, so grateful for each and every one of you. So more meetups in the future for sure. If you are interested in doing a Balanced Black Girl meetup, make sure you join our Facebook group, the Balanced Black Girl podcast community on Facebook, and let me know what kinds of meetups you'd like to see next. I'm thinking it might be fun to do like some fitness pop-ups, some fitness classes together, something along those lines. So let me know what you'd like to see or where you'd like to meet up, and I would love to do more because this community is incredible. So getting into today's show, actually last week I was a guest on today's guest podcast, Let's Talk About It, which was a really, really fun conversation. Actually one of the more personal conversations I've ever had where I talked a lot about kind of my past with mental health, my history with going to therapy, my upbringing, um, my kind of deeper story about rocking my natural hair and what that's been like. It was just a really, really Great conversation. So, if you like today's episode with today's guest, make sure you also check out her podcast, Let's Talk About It. Last week, I was a guest on it. The week before, actually, my friend Sarah Wolf, who is wonderful, she is just like the most delightful person and is also a super talented photographer. So, if you follow me on Instagram, chances are you've seen her photos because she takes all of my photos. Sarah was also a guest the week before and had a really great conversation about body positivity and weight and body types and kind of the standards in our society and how we can all kind of navigate that. And that was also a really great conversation. So highly, highly recommend you check those out as well. But for today's episode, um, my guest, Taylor Nolan, who is the host of the Let's Talk About It podcast, is our guest here today, and she and I just had a really, really open, insightful conversation. I really enjoyed getting to know her. I really appreciate her vulnerability um, in this conversation, because I know some of the questions were definitely personal and um, things that are probably kind of hard to talk about, and She just totally dove right in and and went there, and I really, really appreciated it. So if you like today's episode, please make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. It really, really helps the show. We really, really appreciate it because it's really what's going to help us continue to grow this community and continue to get the message out there about the topics that we talk about on Balanced Black Girl. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Welcome back to the Balanced Black Girl podcast. Today I'm joined by Taylor Nolan, mental health counselor and host of the Let's Talk About It podcast. Taylor and I connected through our mutual friend Sarah who's an amazing photographer who takes pretty much all of the photos on both of our Instagram feeds Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I am so happy to have her here on the show. We're actually interviewing in person and I just did an interview for her podcast Mm -hmm. and it's really fun. We're going to keep going.
1: Yeah, Jen. a Back to back. Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Taylor, you've been a very public figure, but yeah. for our listeners who may not know you, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah. Um, so, my background is in clinical mental health counseling. Um, I have a bachelor's and a master's. Um, and Then shortly after I got my master's, I did something a little out there and decided to go on a very different path and, um, ended up on the bachelor and, uh, then after that, ended up on Bachelor in Paradise and um, then started a podcast, Let's Talk About It, where I decided to kind of still be a little bit in the field of mental health and also just be able to use the platform that I have now to be able to reach more than you know, just the one-to-one kind of private practice client work. Um, so I'm licensed here in Washington and currently working towards hours for full licensure. Um, and yeah, I do... A lot of stuff on Instagram trying to just you know show that authenticity and encourage people to feel all the feelings and (laughs) um and you know just encourage the conversation around mental health uh, and to just try to help people feel more comfortable talking about our feelings even though it can be super uncomfortable uh so it's kind of a mix of just doing stuff on the podcast and doing stuff on Instagram and uh then working towards hours and that's kind of me in a nutshell <laughs> i guess a little bit just in terms of what i do mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what i do these days
0: yeah that's like a good cliff notes version of kind of yeah. what I do
1: so let's
0: talk a little bit more just getting to know you better you mm-hmm. outside of what you do i love learning about my guests mm-hmm. wellness kind of journeys or wellness habits i would love yeah. to hear a little bit more just about what wellness means to you mm-hmm. what do you do to make yourself kind of feel well mm-hmm. what does that look like
1: yeah. Most of my wellness is not in the physical sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> it should be more. And I'm working on that. But most of my wellness comes from, you know, being involved in my own personal therapy, mm-hmm. uh, being surrounded by good support. Support is so huge uh, for my mental well-being and for almost everyone's as humans, we are such social beings. And for almost any kind of disorder you may be diagnosed with, like part of treatment is having support, um, So for me, wellness is being surrounded by really great people, making sure that that I'm doing at least one thing a day that's just for me. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not because I have to. That's for someone else. Uh, Just doing one thing that's for me, that's going to ground me and help me feel good. Um, Oftentimes, that's like allowing myself 15 minutes to just sit on the couch with my cat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, That's very much wellness is being surrounded by animals for me when I feel like I'm in a good place and I feel connected Mm and, um, yeah, I think doing the one thing that's for you a day, family, friends, uh, being involved in therapy, those are all kinds of things that help me feel well.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think that's great because I think we get very focused on physical wellness and, mm-hmm. you know, how you feel in your physical body or, you know, moving your body or whatever that looks like is a part of wellness.
1: But it's not yes. all of wellness
0: because you can be super fit, but not take care of mm-hmm. your mental health. And that's not good either.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think... Um, unfortunately and I guess fortunately at the same time for me um everyone assumes I'm very fit and very in shape Mm -hmm. because genetically I have a certain body type uh it's very hard for me to gain weight Mm -hmm. um just kind of naturally if I laugh I look like I have abs and but then I can push my stomach out and I look like I'm pregnant Mm -hmm. um and so Fitness for me has never been something that's felt super pushed on me or Mm -hmm. felt super like, you know, I need to really get in shape because I'm gaining weight or, you know, um, certainly I have felt very weak most of my life. Uh, And so that has been probably the most motivating reason for me to start being more active. And, you know, the whole gym life thing is really not for me. Like Mm I have... Only as of like last year have I ever really been in a gym. (laughs) And my first experiences in gyms, I did not really like. Um, Not only did it not feel like the right culture for me, but I just didn't feel like I had the same purpose in being there as everyone else that Mm -hmm. was there. I also had no clue what what I was doing. Yeah. i just wearing on here. Oh yeah. Okay. Go yeah, ahead. I had no idea what the fuck I was doing, <laughs> uh, and it just felt so uncomfortable for me. So a lot of where I like to do my fitness is in games or in playing. Mm-hmm. I think play is so important to our overall wellness. Yeah. Uh, something Brene Brown talks a lot mm-hmm. about too, about the importance of creativity and play. So you know, like if it's. Unfortunately, a lot of this is like weather dependent for me. So like I'll go play tennis, I'll Mm -hmm. go play volleyball, I'll go for a hike. I love rollerblading, like I rollerblade Green Lake all the time. Um, So in that sense, I like to be fit and and work out and play. But I've never been the person to go to the gym and and be fit. I love to dance Mm -hmm. and sing. And so I'll go out and do that. I don't don't drink, but I'm like, yeah, let's go out. I want to go dance. So that's like kind of where fitness has came in for me.
0: Yeah, but I think that you touched on a lot of things there that I think people could really relate to Mm -hmm. in a couple of different levels, even if maybe they're not in the same physical space as you. Mm -hmm. You mentioned you have a hard time gaining weight. Um, For some people, that can be relatable. For some people, they maybe have the opposite problem. Mm -hmm. But that feeling of fitness only being pushed on people who maybe –
1: Look like they have a bigger body, whatever
0: that means, you know, because that's a societal standard that, Mm -hmm. you know, has its own set of issues that fitness is not only something that should be pushed on those people or should be used as a way to avoid that. But Mm -hmm. also that feeling of walking into a gym, which is not the best or most welcoming (laughs) environment
1: for literally
0: anyone and being like, what do I do here? Mm -hmm. What am I doing here? I think everyone has probably felt that way at some point.
1: Literally, like, recently with someone I'm dating, uh, I have have gone into the gym with him at, in his apartment building. And um, I legit had to do, like, a pep talk beforehand and mm-hmm. was like, okay, don't make fun of me. I was like, don't laugh at me. I was like, I'm going to go in here with you. And I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So don't laugh at me because I'm going to try. I'm going to try to figure out exercises <laughs> to do and look like I know what I'm doing. But really, I have no clue. So I was like, don't laugh at me. <laughs>
0: you're there and if you're trying yeah you got it yeah yeah and I think too as someone who has spent probably too much time in gyms Mm -hmm. not only on my own fitness but working in gyms and and training also I think sometimes too we worry more that people are looking at what we're doing more than they think because I know Mm -hmm. even as a former gym rat who Mm -hmm. I used to be like fit buff girl workout all the time Mm I literally would have tunnel vision. Like yeah. I didn't even see if someone next to me was, didn't know what they were doing mm-hmm. or was doing the wrong thing. I literally had yeah. no idea because I was so.
1: Yeah. There was myself. actually <laughs> a girl in the gym that this time that I'm talking about who was just jamming out so hard in her yeah. headphones and mm-hmm. was like dancing in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And like, d- I mean, good for her. She didn't sound like weird moves. I was <laughs> like, Whoa. But she just had like, No care at all for anyone else around her. And like, after I saw her, I was like, okay, yeah, like I can just do whatever I want.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's your time.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that felt good. There is a dance class that I like to go to here in Seattle, Mm -hmm. and um, it's in like a dark studio. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's women of all ages, all sizes, hairy armpits. Like, (laughs) I feel so comfortable in there. And um, it's a good mix of like, You're dancing, but you're also getting a good workout in, but Mm -hmm. it's not, like, it's not, like, intense. And for me, I've never been into, like, the intense workout type Mm -hmm. stuff. But, you know, definitely want to not feel like a super weak child. Um. And I think mentally, you know, I definitely feel – lot more confident when I feel like I'm strong even just in the sense of like you know yeah I'm gonna carry my laundry basket up the steps and not have my neighbor have to help me because Mm -hmm. I'm a strong independent woman (laughs) you know (laughs) like and then other times I'm like no I do want the help (laughs) please carry this for me exactly
0: asking for help doesn't mean you can't do it yourself
1: exactly I just choose not to (laughs) I choose not to be able to open this jar right now please help me
0: (laughs) that is I get that I get that for sure. Yeah. So something that I would really love to talk to you about, you actually mentioned this on your Instagram recently Mm -hmm. and it's kind of along the same lines of just kind of our bodies and how we show up and how we live in our bodies. As you had someone reach out to you, basically saying that because you posted a picture of yourself Mm -hmm. in a swimsuit, like, are you worried that people will see this? Are you worried that this is unprofessional? Mm -hmm. And I really liked your response to it because Mm -hmm. basically you said like, I'm just showing up as myself. I would want people who want to work with me to know who I am. Mm -hmm. And I also think that there's a really important element in there too of policing women's bodies of yes. someone in a picture wearing a swimsuit that shouldn't mm-hmm. be a scandalous thing yes can we talk more about that
1: absolutely um yeah so i think like there's so many points on this <laughs> um like one i'm not so, so when people are questioning that and this happens literally every time i post a photo in a bathing suit which yeah. is not frequently yeah it's really you live in not Seattle. yeah it's, it's not not, a- not frequent <laughs> even if i'm like in LA, for example, maybe one time in that visit, I'll post a photo in a bathing suit. Um, and it's interesting because half of the comments are praising my ass, literally my actual ass. Mm-hmm. And the other half of the comments are shaming and judging me for mm-hmm. being a therapist and having a photo with my ass in it and that that's unprofessional and clients shouldn't have to see this and all of that. And I think, you know, a I'm not shoving, I'm literally, I'm not going into an office and showing my client, my Instagram and saying, Hey, what do you think of my ass? (laughs) Like, it's kind of absurd to think that just because I have a public profile Mm -hmm. that I am then shoving this information at clients Mm -hmm. when it is completely their right to seek out that information if they choose to. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not interacting with clients via social media um, and I, like I make that very clear. Um, I think there's <laughs> definitely this, a, a different kind of judgment that that gets placed on um, women of color when they show their bodies mm-hmm. and I think, you know, being that I have this platform and I have this following predominantly from The Bachelor, which is very much watched by white women. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of my followers are white women. Um that it's interesting I'll watch a different girl, a good friend of mine from the show who's white and blonde and she'll post a photo of her in a bathing suit just straight from the back yeah. and every comment is just praising her. Mm. Not a single comment about, you know, oh well, this is inappropriate because you're a nurse and, you know, that's not okay yeah. or like, you know, nothing nothing shaming whatsoever Mm -hmm. and it's really interesting to me to see that every time I do it even if it's like my stomach Mm -hmm. even you know it's again half of it is praising of oh I want your abs blah blah blah, which I'm like no like embrace your your body thank you for appreciating mine but also like you can still post photos like that if your stomach doesn't look like mine Mm -hmm. um And then the other half is like, oh, you shouldn't be showing your body like that. You're a professional. Like, what if your client saw this? And, you know, if my client saw it, then guess what? They've learned that I have a body just like they do. Yeah. Uh, And surprise, (laughs) I'm also human. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, Yeah, it's it's really not. Um, Certainly, I think, you know, a a client can have an issue with uh, knowing too much about their therapist Mm and, you know, Seeking out all kinds of personal information could definitely be damaging and bring some uh, transference into the session, which can be worked through. Absolutely. You know, if a client were to come to me and say, you know, oh, I saw that you posted this on Instagram, like blah, blah, blah. Like I would talk about what that meant for them. Mm -hmm. and. Again, f- it's focusing the conversation on them. It's yeah. not like I'm going into a therapy session and I'm like, so my Instagram's at Tamoka <laughs> if you want to follow me and you want to see what I'm doing. Like, it's just, it's really absurd. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what else to say about this. Mm-hmm. But like, <laughs> it's just, I'm, I'm in a bathing suit. And even if I wasn't in a bathing suit and I wanted to do something a little bit more scandalous and do like, you know, a half naked shot or whatever and be like creative and do like a sexy photo shoot, <laughs> like, I'm allowed to do that like I'm not as professional women we're more than just professional women Mm -hmm. like being a professional is just one part of who you are and I think it's really important um, that we allow ourselves the space to explore these other parts of ourselves Mm -hmm. even if they're contradicting of each other um, even if they seem a little bit more scandalous or not necessarily acceptable from society I think it's good that we step outside of that box and allow ourselves to be the complex, unique individuals that we are uh, instead of trying to fit into a a box of something that our career is supposed to define us as.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think for women specifically, we have so many experiences where people expect us to do just one thing. Mm -hmm. A professional woman only looks one way. A mother only acts one Mm -hmm. way. Yeah. and we're full dynamic people who mm-hmm. have all of these different areas of life and all these things that you know make us who we are
1: yeah and it was really interesting to me to see how many teachers reached out about mm-hmm. that story mm-hmm. uh, because so many teachers felt the same way yeah. about trying to you know feeling so self-conscious about when they would go out with their friends if they if that was okay for them to post on their social media yeah even if it was private yeah even if their page is private they're self-conscious about just living their life and that being judged against their professionalism mm-hmm. and you know i mean i'm i'm trying to think of where someone would argue against that being okay and certainly there are some things that like ethically just aren't okay like obviously if you're like showing your elementary students photos of you drinking what like at lunch break like yeah obviously no (laughs) you know but like for a parent to see that and to judge the teacher or something you know like it it's I think really damaging because it, it only perpetuates a lot of like depression and um us wearing these masks, Mm -hmm. you know, like the more that we judge each other and based on these professions and putting ourselves in these boxes, you're essentially telling people in the helping professions that they're not allowed to be who they are. Yeah. And that just leads to all kinds of other problems. Um, you know, if I don't even know what else to compare it to. And I'm so bad at coming up with like analogies off the cuff. They (laughs) never work out. (laughs) So I don't even know what to compare it to. But um yeah, like I I think it's Important to just have a basic understanding and allowing anyone that you meet to explore parts of themselves that you may not think might be them. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> then, especially if you want them to show up how mm-hmm. they're supposed to show up yeah. in their career, yeah. then you'll let them live their fucking lives. Yeah. But
0: people are dynamic and shouldn't just fit in, in one box or one role. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's absurd to think that like that's the kind of pressure that we should not only put on ourselves, but that we should allow other people to put on us.
0: Mm -hmm. That's true. And it's so prevalent. (laughs) I mean, and I I think we live in a time where we are all super connected, where everyone has social media. Everyone has kind Mm -hmm. of these External facing profiles, even for someone who maybe hasn't had an experience like you've had, like being on a TV show that's super Mm -hmm. public, anyone who has a public social media profile can kind of essentially be a public figure and kind of be open to receiving like negative comments Mm -hmm. or feedback on what people should be doing or how they should behave. If there's someone struggling with that, do you have any advice for them?
1: Yeah. Um, First, I would say like you're going to get all kinds of feedback. Even when you get the positive feedback, like I think a lot of people say, you know, like just shut out the negative. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you necessarily need to take in the positive either. Like when you are secure with who you are and you're confident with the decisions that you make and you're showing up authentically, it doesn't matter what anyone else is saying. At the end of the day, that all becomes white noise. Some mm-hmm. people are saying positive things. People are saying negative things. People are just saying things, Yeah. but you're like, yeah, I'm okay with that because that's me and I feel confident with that and, um, you're, you're secure with it. Um, I would also say, uh, to someone that, you know, is, is struggling with maybe seeing comments about themselves Mm -hmm. or having that kind of publicness. Um, I think it's important to ask yourself why you'd want that. Mm -hmm. Like, because we have a choice mm-hmm. you know to some degree um about our pages being public mm-hmm. or not and a, really making a note to say why you want that yeah um and understanding what you're opening yourself up to yeah. I mean it's kind of ridiculous one of the comments I get the most anytime I kind of uh, disagree with a comment or call something out is well you signed up for this <laughs> and just because someone goes on a TV show or has a public profile yeah. yes they may understand that their life will change or that they may get comments but that doesn't take away the fact that some of it's allowed to be painful yeah um and i think it's something that i've gone back and forth struggling with and i don't know if i'm fully answering your question here or not <laughs> um but one thing that i think i've struggled with on social media with receiving all kinds of different comments is honestly at times feeling confident enough to call something out. Yeah, And I think that's something I would really encourage someone, you know, in a public space, uh, who is receiving comments when things are just flat, flat out false, um, call that out. Yeah, You know, I think there's a lot of times that I get comments or I get DMS and it'll impact me, mm-hmm. you know? And again, I try to do the same thing that I'm saying, For other people, you know, don't take in the good. Don't necessarily take in the bad. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does have that initial gut reaction of like, that was mean. Yeah. That hurt. Yeah. Um, And then kind of walking myself through that process of like, why that hurt? Where is that person coming from? How can I respond to this? Do I choose to respond to this? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think when you let comments like that, just kind of sit there and don't say anything about it. (laughs) You're basically saying it's okay. (laughs) And I think it's one thing I have to remind myself is this is your platform. Yeah. It's like, your space. Yeah. Like this is y- your place for your voice. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't, you know, you're on someone else's page and whatever, yeah. like going out of your way. Like this is your shit. Like mm-hmm. you have every right to stand up for yourself and to speak the truth and speak your truth. Mm-hmm. And so I would very much encourage anyone that received any kind of like negative Backlash, especially to call that shit out.
0: Yeah. Well, and that brings up a really interesting point. So, recently, I follow Rachel Cargill on Instagram. She's someone who is like a social activist and she talks a lot about like the black female experience. Mm -hmm. And she has a lot of people who follow her to try to learn Mm -hmm. about that experience. And recently, she had someone basically comment and say that they didn't like the language she used so they didn't like that she sounded so negative and she Mm -hmm. responded back to this person basically saying like this is my page I'll kind of do what I want like Mm I you know whatever and the conversation escalated and basically the girl called her a bitch in the comments that's and, helpful yeah and so she posted it and was like this person said this about me like i won't tolerate people disrespecting me like this yeah. in my space and it turned into like this whole thing that mm-hmm. sparked this big debate on her profile of people saying well you shouldn't be posting that she left this comment because now your followers are going to bully her
1: that's literally what just happened to yeah me. this happens yeah all the time Yeah,
0: So now this woman is saying, well, now your people are attacking me because you posted this comment I left. But it's also like, well, you left a comment in in a public forum. (laughs) So
1: don't, you know, it goes both ways. Yeah, literally what I just dealt with. And I actually did a poll once um, because sometimes I'll post a direct message, which is private, Mm -hmm. and we'll respond to it. And sometimes I leave the whole thing open. Sometimes I blur it out. So I asked people, I said... Uh, would you prefer to remain anonymous if I post a DM? Mm -hmm. And most people said no. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I said something about like – if you were disclosing personal information yeah. and then they were like, yes. Um, and so a lot of people did write in and say, you know, if they are saying something negative, mm-hmm. you should absolutely leave it open. Mm. And if someone's just saying something like nice or whatever, yeah. like, yeah, give them that privacy. Mm-hmm. And that thought process to me was so interesting because it was basically like you wanted the people saying negative things to have that accountability mm-hmm. and you wanted the opportunity to call them out. Yeah. Um, which I thought was interesting. And so, when I post a private DM now, I blur everything out. Yeah. I might leave like the uh, picture open just because yeah. it's so small I can't really and it. whatever. Sometimes I'll put an emoji over it. Um, but the public comment thing, that's literally what just happened to me with this photo of my – ass in it um and you know this girl had asked a question which i've at first thought you know maybe this is like a legitimate question Mm -hmm. and then in the comments she just kind of was very defensive and attacking other people and i was like "Mm, this is ridiculous so basically i i publicly shared her comment on my story to then do a series of stories answering the question Mm -hmm. and um it was only one person and this is again where like (laughs) Sometimes the negative voices are the ones that speak the loudest, but it's important to remember this is just one person, Mm uh, who got so upset at me for posting her comment publicly. Mm. And I said, this was a public comment. And then they were both upset at me that I sent stands after her. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. It's some kind of like weird (laughs) social media language that I was like, I don't know what that is. Um, I said, my response to you was very respectful, very mm-hmm. informative, yeah. very vulnerable. Like I shared personal things. Mm-hmm. Like it was very respectful to even answer your question in the first place. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and, you know, I I in no way encouraged people to attack you. I didn't speak directly to you really even specifically. Yeah. I shared it because it was a question that I get a lot of the time. Um, and it was just so interesting to me that she was so upset by that. And to me, it's like, well, if you're posting something publicly, be prepared to take accountability for it and to stand by it. And when I checked her page after she had changed her photo, she had taken out some stuff in her bio. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I guess some trolls did go after her and that's honestly like a really fucked up part about the internet. It's like, there's trolls everywhere and you know, they'll troll you for stupid things. They'll troll you for positive things. Like they'll find anything to troll you about. Um, and unfortunately, that woman had started to semi-troll me and mm-hmm. got trolled in return. Yeah. Um, it's it's a weird thing. But yeah, if you're going to post something publicly, be prepared to stand by that. And I said, I posted your public comment yeah. to my public story to very respectfully and nicely answer your question. Yeah. And I stand by that. Mm-hmm. So Well, and I think people on the internet,
0: think that they can kind of hide behind being on the internet like people would never say these things in person that they leave in some comments sections and I think that's why being held accountable for it can be that much more startling Mm -hmm. because they thought oh I'm behind the screen I thought I could just say whatever I wanted yeah but they are real words
1: absolutely and then it's interesting because then they are being met with comments from many other people and it's like well you were just one comment to me from a lot of other people Mm -hmm. and so it's almost like I think you get to kind of empathize with the person that maybe you were initially doing that towards Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's a very like strange (laughs) strange thing of how people can behave on social media (laughs) um it's much different for me now than it ever was Mm -hmm. uh but you know has provided the opportunity for a lot of things. So yeah. I try to take try to take <laughs> it all with just like a grain of salt. Pros and cons.
0: Yeah. Pros and cons. Absolutely. So something that I admire is that you are very open and honest about ways that your experience on The Bachelor was traumatic mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. Um, after having that experience, what did you do to work through that
1: trauma to get mm-hmm. to a place of healing for yourself? Yeah. Um, well, it was very difficult like it wasn't and (laughs) what's interesting about it is that it's not just like trauma happened and now it's time for recovery Mm -hmm. trauma like the trauma literally reoccurs three different times a year Mm -hmm. (laughs) well more so two times a year yeah uh but you know and and part of the trauma is related to my job now Mm -hmm. like it's um it's something that still is prevalent in my life currently now as a new season is airing Mm -hmm. um and it took a very long time for me to even come to the terms with the fact that it was trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially the fact that not only was the first time trauma, but the second time was also trauma. Yeah. And that's not something even that I've spoken publicly about because yeah. there's things behind it where people wouldn't understand mm-hmm. maybe how yeah. it be. People would probably understand if I actually explained it, but it's just really personal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, during, during it all as it was happening um I didn't do a great job of taking care of myself Mm -hmm. it's very hard to explain the whole environment of the show and what that experience is like um but it's I was very isolated Mm -hmm. um I definitely was very depressed and had so much anxiety Mm um I yeah i really wouldn't really leave my bed a lot like the anxiety from social media was so 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 big um you know I had my therapist already before I went uh into the show yeah and so then after that you know I mean that would sometimes be like the only time I would leave the house that week would mm. be to go to therapy mm-hmm. um and that was Sometimes like two times a week, sometimes yeah. two, sometimes three, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, that show airs on Monday and then you have no idea what's about to be shown. You yeah. have the anxiety going into Sunday night. Wow. Um, then, you know, you have everything happening uh, from Pacific time, 5 p.m. Uh, until like 1 a.m. yeah. And then you have Tuesday, every the news outlets covering it, all of that. So then you're just bombarded with constant feedback mm-hmm. about every little thing that you did, which is not even the full picture of anything. Yeah. Um, and you're trying to process what your experience was and how that aligns with what you're now watching. Um, there's, you know, f- just so much feedback. Yeah. Um, and I think... I didn't do the best job of shutting out some of that feedback and mm-hmm. trusting myself. Mm-hmm. I allowed my view of things and what my truth was to get very blurred mm. by the masses of the negative. Yeah. Um, but, but I would say a large part of recovery in, in that trauma yeah. uh, has definitely been... Identifying it as trauma, mm-hmm. I remember that therapy session very clearly, yeah. <laughs> where she was like, you know, Taylor, like this is trauma, yeah. and I was like, mm. I was like, I know as a professional, like I should know this, but it's not anything I've ever experienced. Yeah. Um, and my life is completely changed because it's not only just the, it's like, your whole identity changes. Yeah. You get a whole new identity, mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily know that before you go on the show yeah. because you could get 30 seconds of airtime in a whole episode mm. or you, you could literally be in the midst of the main drama of the mm-hmm. show and you have no clue. Yeah. Um, so it's th- there's a lot of layers. Mm. Um, I definitely had a lot of support just like from my family. Yeah. Uh, I know that they knew it was really hard and it was really hard on them too. Yeah. Um, and then you know, a lot of my time on the show also had to do with my career. So there was a lot of like trauma around my identity Mm. as a professional, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is really shitty. And like, I've had to empathize with Taylor at that time a lot. Um, But yeah, mostly honestly, like therapy Mm -hmm. very much helps in recovery and uh, allowing when opportunities come up to heal, allowing it to happen. Mm -hmm. And, when I say to heal, that doesn't just mean, like, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that process to heal means acknowledging the pain and empathizing and working through that and talking about it to someone. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that happens, you know, every new season where mm-hmm. I, I deal with that. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for sharing that.
0: Yeah. And for someone who maybe not that's a very specific situation so I wouldn't say it's in a similar situation that's very specific (laughs) but Mm -hmm. maybe someone who is finally getting to the point where they've experienced a trauma and they Mm -hmm. are recognizing it and they want to figure out how to take those steps towards recovering and healing Mm -hmm. Um, and they wanted to seek out a therapist what are some qualities that people should look for in a therapist when they're embarking on that
1: yeah, well, first, I would highly recommend using psychologytoday.com to find a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I've always used, no matter what city I'm in. Um, I've often put that out as, as a recommendation. It's not an ad. I'm not <laughs> sponsored by them. They don't pay me to but say it. But if they want to sponsor us. <laughs> but they <could>. I mean. <laughs> Y'all can. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're super helpful. Like, you can filter for, you know, your insurance, for your zip code, if you want a male or if you want a female, what kinds of issues you want to be addressing in therapy. therapy. Therapy, Um, so highly recommend that website psychologytoday.com. And then, honestly, I think it's really important when people start the therapy session to look at it as like it's not going to be a one-stop shop. Yeah, I don't even know if that's the right (laughs) phrase to use for this. Um, (laughs) But it's not going to be like a one-time date. Yeah, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not like you might go to one person and that might not work out. Mm -hmm. That does not mean that your journey with therapy is over. That does not mean to give up on seeking help. Um,
0: Date around.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Like the first friend that you sit with at the lunch table might not be your best friend. (laughs) (laughs) That's a better one. There Uh, we go. That
0: was a good analogy.
1: (laughs) There we go. Proud of myself. (laughs) Got one in. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think like finding a therapist that – on some level you feel like will understand you, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. it's a it, part of that depends on how they communicate to you, yeah, you know, and, and giving that a chance. Mm-hmm. Like there will be, definitely be some people that go in and have a first session and yeah. immediately they know when they start interacting with this therapist mm-hmm. that this is not for me. Like yeah. I don't vibe with you and that's totally okay. Um, you know, a therapist's feelings are not going to be hurt. Yeah. And I think that's one thing, like people will often stay with one therapist because they feel like they might hurt that person's feelings. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just, it's a nice therapist, yeah. but like, I don't really think that they get me. I'm not really being challenged, but like they're nice, you know, and feel bad about hurting their feelings. Their feelings are not going to be hurt. You yeah. can always, um, th- the thing that's important to remember about the therapeutic relationship is that, um, it's, it's okay. Like it, the focus is you yeah like you can speak up you can Mm -hmm. say you know I really would like to be more challenged you can say like I need to this to go really slow um and I would 100% say like if you're with a therapist that you feel like isn't challenging you or you feel like you're not getting anything out of it like express that to him or her Mm -hmm. like or they yeah like share that with your therapist because they're not going to know how to best help you unless yeah. you communicate that and you have to communicate what's not working and what is working. It's mm-hmm. just like any other relationship. yeah. Uh, but it's a super special relationship because you actually get to process some of those things mm-hmm. that you wouldn't in an everyday relationship. Yeah. And there might be something really specific to why you're not liking that therapist mm-hmm. anymore. And like, what is that
0: about? And listen to that. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> like, express that to your therapist yeah. you know be like I'm having trouble with this because I don't feel like you challenge me enough and yeah. like I I would really like to discuss our relationship mm-hmm. um so yeah I would just say like Go on with an with an open mind. And there's different therapeutic approaches. Mm-hmm. Like read through what that person's approach is yeah. in their disclosure statement as you start the process and see, you know, if if their approach works for you. If yeah. they are psychoanalytic and they're going to want to dig through your childhood and, you know, you're like, that's not up my alley. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not ready to go there yet. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe find someone that's more like humanistic, person-centered. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're like, I really want to dig deep in my issues, like – maybe someone that's more Freudian might be helpful to (laughs) dig into those childhood issues. Um, But yeah, I think just doing your research and being open to it and knowing that it's not like progress is not a linear uh, line. And you got to be compassionate with yourself through that process. Totally. I love that you said that
0: progress isn't linear because i think that that can apply to so many things. I know it, yeah. i used to tell that to my fitness clients all mm-hmm. the time of like some days you're going to go to the gym and you're going to crush it mm-hmm. and then a week later you might be pmsing and it might feel like you can't do anything that you just did mm-hmm. and it's not linear and that's okay. And especially with our minds. I mean, nothing yes. is linear <laughs> with our
1: minds. Yes. I mean, <laughs> you could be going on life totally fine and then something will come up to trigger you mm-hmm. and that's okay it's an opportunity to work it's an opportunity to heal Mm -hmm. um and that's that's where the
0: magic happens it is it is but I think too it's also important that we talk about the fact that it is work Mm -hmm. like it is hard and messy and challenging to Mm -hmm. do that that work
1: it absolutely is. And that's, that's why it is so important to have a therapist that you feel like you connect with, you know, because yeah. otherwise it's going to be a really, really difficult journey and mm-hmm. it's already hard enough to do that kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and even outside of the, ther, outside of the therapeutic relationship, yeah. it's important to have that support in general, you know, for mm-hmm. your friends and your family and the people in your community to understand that you're doing this really hard work right now. And yeah. like, depending on what's going on, uh, you know, like entering into that space and being committed to that kind of thing is Mm -hmm. not only going to change you, but therefore going to change your dynamics and your relationships with the people in your life. Yeah. So totally. That's why I think it's so important to just communicate about what you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. If you're experiencing a really hard time, you know, you're not feeling the best of like, Just letting the people around you know that. Yeah, And then once you do start making those kinds of changes and you're starting to heal and everything, communicating that too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because there's so many things that happen between our interactions with people where like, we're just going opposite ways. Like yeah. we're just talking through each other. Like <laughs> we are not on the same page mm-hmm. at all. Um, and I think the more we communicate like where we're at and what we're experiencing in an authentic way mm-hmm. with the people in our lives and yeah. being vulnerable like that, then not only does it encourage other people to do the same, uh, lets other people know they're not alone. Yeah. It just increases our connections and like the world will be such a happier place. <laughs> it's true though because if you have
0: an experience that you then go through a kind of a healing journey you can't necessarily take people with you because everyone has to be on their own mm-hmm. journey but understanding yeah. that the people in your life are a big part of that yeah
1: yeah and and that they could be the ones triggering certain things come up throughout your healing process mm. and then them knowing that that's something that you're working on like it's super super helpful super Oop. important
0: sure is sure is
1: <laughs> yeah like it's it's the people close to me in my life understand how the show can be a trigger in some ways and yeah. how that can put me in not a good place. Yeah, And all I have to do really is say, you know, I'm not, I'm not a good spot. Yeah. <laughs> and they know why. Yeah, that's,
0: and that's like a stopping point.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then they know why and they're mm-hmm. not going to take offense. Yep. You know, if I cancel plans or if I just need to take some time to myself, yeah. like they get it because mm-hmm. I've communicated it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: And something kind of along the same lines where we talk about having people in our life that we can relate to and also visiting therapists that we could relate to, I would love to talk to you a little bit more about representation and what mm-hmm. that looks like. So representation for people of color going to therapy, maybe your experiences mm-hmm. as a woman of color who is a therapist, mm-hmm. like in your schooling, were there other mm-hmm. students of color, like in your classes who are also becoming therapists mm-hmm. and, and what has that looked like for you?
1: Yeah, so I would say in, in my... Uh, Hmm. in my bachelor's uh I got a bachelor's in psychology and mm-hmm. I would say that was like somewhat representative mm-hmm. it's obviously a lot more women yeah um in my master's though uh it was in Baltimore mm-hmm. and it was really small like my cohort was pretty small yeah um but there were honestly it was a good diverse mix of people yeah. um I'm trying to think, I don't even, I can't even recall everyone's backgrounds because mm-hmm. there was like such specific, like unique things. Yeah. Um, I want to say there was that's like. That's a
0: good thing though, because then when you can be like, oh, there was one black girl there. Yeah. Like when it <laughs> sticks out that much, yep. that's when it's not good. So the yeah. fact that you can't really remember is actually, yeah. I think a good thing.
1: Yeah. No, there were like several black girls. Um, I remember there was like a older black woman who was actually, I want to say like, she was like straight from Nigeria wow. um, and she had so many experiences from there that like yeah. she brought yeah. uh, she's married to like a Hungarian man <laughs> and like she was so wonderful I yeah. love her uh, she was in my group counseling class and it's just, just wonderful I loved her <laughs> um, but yeah I want to say there was maybe like mm, a small handful of white men mm-hmm. one of them was my ex-boyfriend mm-hmm. um, and we've all been there <laughs> yep um <laughs> But yeah, I would say that my master's program was a pretty diverse group of people. Um, I think that there's definitely less, like... It's interesting because psychology is typically like a, historically, a male-dominated field. But I think the more that the field is growing, it's becoming way more female populated. Yeah. Like most psychology programs are dominated by women these mm-hmm. days. Uh, but then when you get into the higher education, you start to see that it's more dominated by men, mm-hmm. white men. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's, it's definitely more difficult to find women of color represented yeah. as helpers. Mm-hmm. And they are more often represented as uh, social workers mm-hmm. or um, like nurses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the most where I've seen representation for mm-hmm. women of color. Um, and I think that that's good that they are represented in those spaces. Yeah. But I think it's also good to note that they can expand outside of those as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think I I don't recall if you can but I want to say that on psychology today you can filter for like mm. uh what kind of background you yeah. want your therapist to have yeah um and I know for me I did in high school um I did have a therapist who was a black woman and she was like very cool yeah um she was a lot younger like seemed I'm gonna say hip and (laughs) I sound old um and was just like so understanding and like we had really good rapport Mm -hmm. um and that was in high school so I was like I don't think I went very frequently Mm -hmm. um but I just remember being like she's really cool and I actually feel like I have a good rapport with her and I feel like I feel like she understands mm-hmm. and is actually like trying to get to know me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never personally seen a male therapist yeah. and I've always wanted to challenge myself in that way. Yeah. But uh, I do have a male supervisor mm-hmm. um, and most of my supervisors actually even throughout school have been white males. Yeah. Uh, so that's an interesting piece there. But <laughs> uh, my therapist that I've had uh, since I've lived in Seattle uh, as a white blonde woman mm-hmm. um and my mom's a white blonde woman uh so I relate in that way yeah but it's been very important to me that she's been very open to understand uh what it means for me to be a woman of color and mm-hmm. what my struggles have been in that and yeah. I've seen where she's been able to learn and she's been able to grow in that area mm-hmm. as well as helping with reflecting back to me what yeah. I'm learning and how I'm growing yeah um I'm sure it would be a very different experience if I were seeing a woman of color as a therapist. And I think it's definitely good for people to explore and to be open to that kind of thing, uh, especially if you have grown up within the black community and that's mm-hmm. kind of like what you know and that's like how you know how to relate to people, you know, that yeah. that could be really helpful in your, you know, very vulnerable journey of, yeah. of doing therapy. Absolutely, um, But yeah, it's definitely not... You don't see women of color represented it, represented enough as being therapists. I mm-hmm. think, uh, and I hope that that's changing. And I, <laughs> I try to be one of those women that's changing that. <laughs> I think. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. And
0: one of the things that we did touch on a bit when we were talking for your podcast, but Mm -hmm. it was more so like you asking me, and now Mm -hmm. I would love to learn a little bit more about you, is just in your upbringing. So you shared that Mm -hmm. you are mixed, and you Mm -hmm. did mention just now, like your mom is a white woman with like blonde hair and what that is like. And so Mm -hmm. I'm curious for you what your upbringing was like um, as a young girl, as a woman of color, growing Mm -hmm. up in an environment where it sounded like that there wasn't a lot of that. Yeah, What was that experience like?
1: Yeah, um, well, so I started off, like, uh, elementary school. I was here in Seattle Mm -hmm. and wasn't really ever aware of the fact that I was, like, black. Like, no one really said anything. Like, my dad was not in my life, Mm -hmm. and I would never... I never really wondered about it. I was never like, where's my dad? Like, what's my dad like? Like, why don't I have a dad? Like, it just wasn't really me. Like my mom and I were super close. Um, there's a picture right there. If you can see, that's us on our flower, Ikea couch (laughs) with face masks on. Um, and we were just like BFFs. Uh, she had me when she was 20. So she was still like very young and, um, we just had a really close relationship. And so, um, I just didn't have a relationship with that side of my family. And, uh, She met my stepdad here in Seattle who was a pilot in the Air Force. Mm -hmm. So we then moved to South Carolina for middle school. Mm -hmm. And that was like, oh shit, things are hitting the fan. I am black. Like I don't think at the time I like really processed obviously uh, (laughs) the impact that it was having and how I was feeling about myself, but Especially in my grad program, I mm-hmm. did a lot of reflection work around that time. Yeah. Um, my mom did not really have any people of color in her life as friends. Mm-hmm. They were all kind of just white women. Um, my stepdad is a white man and really only has white man friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so in middle school, not only was I the new girl, yeah. but I was also like the mixed girl. Yeah. Um, and was bullied by white women Mm -hmm. was girls at the time uh was bullied by black girls uh black guys were you know would pick on me white guys would make fun of me Mm -hmm. um it was a very weird time um made fun of for my curly hair like told I was too white told I was too black um was literally told to like go pick cotton in the field was literally like called you know terrible names um one of the girls that I thought was like one of my closest friends at the time mm-hmm. um who had been there to like help me deal with the fact that I was being called these names yeah uh had then one day actually turned around and called me one of them so mm. it literally I was like I'm running away yeah. and like wanted to just come back to Seattle yeah. and felt like it was a terrible place like I was told so many negative messages about yeah. being black that like part of me that's black is ugly and negative and the Mm. part of me that like I need to change Mm. um and yeah even going into my grad program of really understanding like I honestly up until probably like three years ago I would have never really considered myself a woman of color Mm. like interesting it was a very new thing for me to like even consider yeah um and what like What changed? Uh, Well, I think partially going through my grad program and understanding, like, you know, I am black and Mm -hmm. I've had experiences of a black person, you know? I've experienced the racism and um, it's really unfortunate and, like, really sad for me that a lot of, like, the messages that I've received about the black part of me are negative and ugly and things that I hated Mm -hmm. and things that, like, even, like, my hair. I was like, oh, I hate my curls. Like, they... Make it seem like I'm more black with my hair straight. Like people th- could think I'm just a white girl with dark hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when I was younger, I would get like really, really dark. Mm-hmm. Like now I get dark in summer and stuff. But back then, especially in South Carolina, yeah. it's hot as balls there. <laughs> um, so I would get like super, super dark. And it was like something as a little girl that I like hated mm-hmm. and resented and was so ashamed of. And so as a young adult, as a young woman in my grad program, you know, just reflected on that a lot and was like you know why do I think these things are like ugly about myself and honestly having a lot of empathy for like middle school Taylor Mm -hmm. and trying to embrace those parts myself and so that is where I started to like wear my hair curly more and like honestly would put myself in situations where I'd be more out in the sun Mm -hmm. where before I would literally like not want to stand in the sun Mm -hmm. because I was like I don't like no like because then I'll get really dark and then I'm like what the fuck is wrong with me why am I even like why is that a bad thing like I look at other black women who are darker and I don't think that they're ugly like why why would I avoid that for myself Mm -hmm. um and being able to like pinpoint where all of that came from was really helpful for me in the process to be like these were these people's voices and like how dare I let them like fuck up my identity like that and like absorb those messages from them and the fucked up part about all this is that you know years later when I'm uh in college Mm -hmm. and then especially when I'm on the show these same people that told me to go pick fucking cotton in the field and call me all these names uh would then comment on my page and be like how beautiful I am and how they love my curly hair and it's such a mind fuck and it's like is real messed up, but (laughs) it's super messed up. Yeah. And, and I think I started to in grad school, I was surrounded by a super diverse, Mm -hmm. uh, cohort. And so, um, befriended other women of color for like the first time really in my life where it felt like a genuine friendship Mm -hmm. and it felt like, you know, I didn't make them feel uncomfortable. I felt like they weren't making me feel uncomfortable. And I still don't think I do enough of that. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I try to look at my friend group and try to you know invite other people in and you know whatever try to you know have a diverse friend group it's hard to make friends as an adult (laughs) um it's hard to make friends as a public figure um (laughs) but i I feel a lot more confident in myself now being able to fully like own the fact that i'm a woman of color and What's really frustrating is when people try to fight me on that mm-hmm. and they're like, even actually one of my close girlfriends one time was like, you really consider yourself a woman of color? And I'm like, yeah, y-
0: cause I am. <laughs> yeah. <What>?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's like the fact that I wouldn't necessarily pass for a black girl. Mm-hmm. means that I shouldn't identify as a woman of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, well, uh, I've experienced some things and I'm pretty sure only black people can relate to. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, and I think also a big part of my development in that is uh, being close with other people who are black and who consider themselves men and women of color. Yeah. Um, But again, I would say that would not have even have been until recently and it still isn't something necessarily in my family life. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have some contact with uh, my, not necessarily my dad, but Mm -hmm. like his sisters and he has, like 11 other children mm-hmm. um, from different women. Mm-hmm. And so I've got reached out to by several of them. And yeah. I'd say there's really one that I have like focused on a relationship with and yeah. somewhat another one. Uh, but it's, I've gained so much like more empathy mm-hmm. and honestly, like, proudness which I'm making a word um Mm -hmm. (laughs) in being a a person of color and being a black woman because seeing the experiences that like my younger brother has had to go through and just how life how life is different for him Mm -hmm. like it's so infuriating in so many ways and I want to do nothing but like to support that and to like help make it different yeah um so I don't know. I'm going I'm just going off here, but
0: <laughs> No, it's good. I mean, this is like what I wanted to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah, what that experience yeah. has been like?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been a very weird one. Yeah. Um but even I mean, we talked about this a little bit on my episode just in terms of dating, yeah. you know, like I've mm-hmm. dated mostly white guys with beards mm-hmm. is like my thing. <laughs> yeah. Um and you know I don't think I'm trying to even think I have gone on one technical date with a black guy. Yeah. And not that all black dudes are like him, but we didn't click. And so that didn't happen again uh, with him. And I'd be open to it with someone else if it felt like it worked. Um, But I think there's, you know, I've tried to kind of unpack this about myself in terms of like who I'm attracted to, why I'm attracted to them, Mm -hmm. you know, how come this is a pattern for me and I think it's you know I can definitely get in a space where I'm like beating myself up and I'm like god Taylor you know like you should go out on dates with more black guys and you know why why aren't you more attracted to some of the black guys that you see on Bumble or whatever you know and
0: girl where (laughs) because I'm looking for black guys on Bumble in Seattle, and I'm not seeing any. So if there's <laughs> not that many, so yeah, and the ones I find,
1: I'm like, hey, no. Nope. Um, but yeah, and then I got excited because I saw one, and I was like, oh, like you seem like cool. And then legit basically told me on our date about how like his pictures were like photoshopped of oh. like him traveling. And I was like, oh, I thought you like traveled. Why would you and he was like, that? Yeah, it was really odd. Oh. Um, but this poor thing. Yeah, but he I try to like have <laughs> help. some. He, d- he does. <laughs> um, the whole date was <laughs> really weird, honestly. Um, but I, I try to like have compassion with myself and understand that like Taylor, like this makes sense. Like yeah. you grew up around all white people, mm-hmm. like all that's in your family is white mm. people and most of your friend group is white people. So it only makes sense that you'd be attracted to white guys. Yeah,
0: <laughs> That's what you, if that's all you know. Yeah.
1: And there's definitely like, obviously guys that I follow and stuff on Instagram and stuff that are like black men and like other men of like mixed race and stuff that mm-hmm. I'm like, he's like really fucking hot. Like mm-hmm. it's not that I don't find them attractive. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're really hot. Um, It's just, it just hasn't been something that's like, panned out but it is always interesting to me to see like how a white guy will relate to me Mm -hmm. when we date and like how he will raise children and how he will uh understand my perspective and my experience of life yeah um So are
0: those questions that you ask, like if you start dating a new person or you date a white Mm -hmm. guy, you, you like really gauge like how comfortable is he with this? How empathetic, like what does he understand? Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: And not until recently. Mm -hmm. Um, And even the one guy that I'm kind of dating right now, I mean, he's like Canadian. Yeah. um, And he actually has a very diverse friend group. Mm -hmm. And um, it's interesting because I think I ask, like I asked this question early on
0: yeah
1: you know and mm-hmm. I, I do i have with other people besides him um and typically like they honestly they seem confused by me even asking and yeah. i think that's partially because they're like they don't they consider don't even me get it. A, well i think because they don't consider me a woman of color mm. i think it's because they're legit like yeah. you're a white girl like what <laughs> they're like how do you mean how does it change you being a woman of color mm. um And I think the Canadian man, um, he has been like very understanding of that and has like really heard me out on why that's important to me. And at first I think like he kind of thought it was silly because it's like – Taylor like I just see you as you yeah like and I see where that's a part of your life and I see where that's part of you but mm-hmm. like there's so many other parts to you yeah and I'm like yeah I know I am like crazy bitch like there's a lot going on <laughs> there's a lot for you to take in right now it's a <laughs> um, lot of layers yeah. yes that's, literally that's actually what he says he's like there's a lot of layers here <laughs> and I'm like you like them <laughs> um but yeah, like it, it's, to him, he's kind of like, yeah, like this is like one layer of you. And yeah. I understand it's an important layer for you. And yeah. even, you know, I ask him like, OK, like if we had children and they were like curly haired, like brown girls like me, like how would you go about that? Yeah. You know, and I, I do think it's important to have those conversations, mm-hmm. especially as like a interracial couple totally. to be able to understand that. This person, yes, unfortunately, because of their skin color, have a very different experience of life than you. Mm-hmm. And to really love that person and to grow a life with them, yeah, you gotta understand mm-hmm. what that is. Yep. Like you should be asking questions mm-hmm. about what that's like. Yeah. Like, if you're dating yeah if you're dating a black man that grew up in fucking Connecticut you better asking some questions about (laughs) what that's like to grow up in suburbs of Connecticut as a black dude (laughs) (laughs) that's probably probably pretty challenging (laughs) (laughs) yeah like you you gotta ask these questions even though they're uncomfortable like if I think it's important to start out with like expressing that you really want to know them and you really want to know what their life experience is. And, you know, I think we should have a conversation about like race, you know, because we are, we come from different backgrounds. And just like we would talk about, you know, you growing up Christian and me, growing up Catholic, like let's talk about you growing up black and me, growing up white. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And I think even more than that, kind of the next level to that is if you have children really understanding there's a possibility that you could have kids who have an entirely different cultural identity yeah. than you. So one, what are you doing to help them navigate mm-hmm. through that situation? Two, are you also yeah. putting influences in their life that they can relate to? Yep. And and what does that look like? Are you prepared mm-hmm. to do that? Those are really important conversations that I think yeah. don't I, I won't say they don't happen often enough because I think every family is different mm-hmm. and I can't make those generalizations and yeah. I didn't have that experience but I mm-hmm. know quite a few people who are mixed yeah. who did have an experience similar to yours where mm-hmm. they were always different they were always other yeah. and they didn't have those influences in their life who mm-hmm. who were similar to them mm-hmm. and it's super super important to understand yeah. that
1: yeah and you know as I watch Naya grow up mm-hmm. and as I watch her relate to people around her and you know, who they're inviting into their family. Yeah. Like all those choices are so important. And as I've watched this, the kind of the last like th- four ish years develop, it's caused me to reflect a lot on like baby Taylor. <laughs> and yeah. I think, you know, cause she, she honestly is like a reflection of me in so many ways mm-hmm. and we're not even like blood related, <laughs> but it's like really weird. Yeah. Um, where, I'm like I think back to you know me and and it does make me question things and I haven't had this conversation yet with my mom mm-hmm. but it's one that I'm hoping to be able to have soon I've yeah. talked about it with Rob a little bit where yeah. you know I do I question like you know did she ever talk to Jason my stepdad mm-hmm. about how he felt mm-hmm. about being a stepdad to a young black girl mm-hmm. like How was he going to respond when I came home from school crying because I was experiencing racism and I was being bullied for Mm -hmm. being black? Like, I don't think that I don't know if that was ever a conversation, Um, you know, but like he wasn't there for me in that way. I didn't have people to relate to that experience. I didn't have anyone to talk to about that. Like I was completely alone in that experience and in feeling different and feeling ugly and feeling like. Ashamed of my blackness. Like I did not have any examples except for Rob of what it looked like to be black and like to be happy being black mm-hmm. and to owning being black and to that being like a, an awesome, strong, beautiful thing to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Which
0: I'd, it totally is.
1: Yeah. And, <laughs> and so now like, especially like I said, these last three years as I watch like Naya like this, like yeah. it's, it's been so interesting to just look back and be like, you know, I wish I would have owned that part of myself or Mm -hmm. like, you know, this is an opportunity now for me to own this part of myself. And how will I show up in this? And, um, you know, how much am I like censoring myself? Mm -hmm. How much am I whitewashing my own fucking personality? Mm -hmm. I mean, you've been on the bachelor, like it was really hard because it's like, Okay, make your hair straight like you're appealing to white America here. You're on a show with mostly white girls where you know most of the time the black girls go home early and it's yeah. almost a joke that they're even considered for the show. Yeah. Like, let's be real here, like am I only going to make it somewhat farther because yeah, I'm a black girl but I can pass for me in a white girl. Like mm-hmm. what? Like it, it's, it's so bizarre yeah. and where it's like, you know, do I really feel like I can actually show up and be myself which part of it includes me being black and part of it includes me being white Mm -hmm. and like trying to surround myself with people that will like encourage both of those sides and just like allow me to just be me at the end of the day and it was interesting like in grad school as I went through all this kind of reflection there was um like a cultural paper we had to write about Mm -hmm. like our culture Mm -hmm. and legit I was like I don't have a culture Mm. (laughs) I was like wow I was like what Like, uh, we watched Love Actually on Christmas Eve, like (laughs) legit, I I had no clue what to, what to write about that. And basically it ended up being a paper about like my struggles with being biracial and how at the end of the day, my culture is like very unique. Like Mm -hmm. my culture is like me, like the person that I've been able to develop. And yes, that, that has a part to do with my family, but like there really aren't there's not like a strong culture there. Like it's, there's not a lot to it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that was like really hard to like process. Yeah. And I feel like in a way I've made, I've made a bit of a life that's a bit different Mm -hmm. from my family. And Mm -hmm. there's a bit of like a separation there, which is partly just because we're on different paths in life. I'm, you know, 25 now and, or maybe less close than we were before. But yeah. I think it's also me finding and getting in touch with this other part of myself mm-hmm. uh, that they don't really relate to. And they haven't really put themselves in a position to uh, educate themselves on or to experience firsthand. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And now that, you know, you're an adult and have had all these yeah. experiences, you are kind of creating your own. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. That is super interesting. And it (laughs) is, I mean, it's just, I'm fascinated because I, and you know, we talked about this in our earlier conversation, just had such a different experience that I just, I I like hearing from other people and and what their experiences look like and what their blackness looks like to them and
1: their relationship
0: with that and even how it changes over time. It's important to
1: talk about. Yeah. I mean, very much getting more in touch with my blackness and I think more so just owning that and feeling confident in that Mm -hmm. and being able to say like, yeah, like I am a woman of color Yeah, and not like, I'm a woman of color. No question mark. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Like, and not even a question (laughs) mark, but not even like, like not having a sense of like feeling ashamed for that or that that's like something that like you want me to be white. So like, I'm not a woman of color. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just, my mom's white. Like, I'm white. Mm -hmm. It's Really bizarre. I mean, even this actually is, like, really, really funny. Um, And, like, also really sad at the same time. Uh, The Canadian guy that I'm dating now, um, literally we had a moment, because this is along the questions that I ask him, you know, and anyone I go on a date with. (laughs) uh, You know, I'm like, have you ever dated a black girl? Mm Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, for me, with my experience, if someone has dated a black girl, it's likely that it's a different experience than dating me because I have not always fully identified as a black girl and I'm biracial and whatever. Uh, But I was asked that. Yeah. And oftentimes, you're like, yeah, yeah, I have. And I'm like, no. Have you dated a black girl?
0: Like, gotten to know, Mm -hmm. truly understand who that person is, their experience.
1: Most of the time, it's they've had sex with a few black girls. Hmm. And I'm the first Uh. one. Yeah. (laughs) I'm the first one that they're, like, actually dating. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I kind of gave a Canadian man some shit because he had said that he had... Dated black girls And I was like oh, Okay And then we were Getting ready to go out And he was ready A bit earlier than I was yeah. And Was very kind And I expressed Appreciation for this Where he said Is there anything I can do To like help you get ready Like since I'm done And I was like Oh thank you And I was like Um I think like the only thing I'd love to do Like is brush my teeth And like put lotion On my legs And like uh, Put my shoes on Yeah And he was like Okay uh, Do you uh, Do you have to Like put lotion On your legs And I was like well, yeah, otherwise I'll get ashy. And he was like, ashy? And I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, you'll get ashy? And I was like, you didn't know what that meant. do you not yeah. know what ashy is? And he's like, what yeah. are you talking about? And I was yeah. like boy, you have not dated a fucking black girl. Yeah. I was like, don't tell me yeah. you dated a black girl but you don't even know what ashy is. Yeah. And I gave him so much shit for it. But he ended up rubbing coconut oil on my legs while I brushed my teeth, which was super <laughs> sweet. And now it's like something he, he, now. Loved. Now it's something he like, loves doing. And he's like, do you need a pillow? He's <laughs> like, do you need a rub down? And I'm like, mm, yes, I do. <laughs> but it's like, there's something like I've noticed with several people where it's like, you don't know what being ashy is. like, white people are ashy, too. Like, you just don't see it. Like, why do you think they say black don't crack? Like, that's because we fucking moisturize. moisturize. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And the only thing he could relate (laughs) to was um, a Bill Burr uh, stand-up where he did this whole skit on... On how he had dated this black girl and uh, how he learned all about lotion and that, about ashiness. (laughs) and it's really a great skit. It's really funny. I highly suggest looking it up. It's on Netflix. Um, But yeah, he was like, that was like his only notion of what ashy was, was that Bill Burr had talked about dating this black girl and learning about lotion. (laughs) And so pardon me, I'm like, I have to question this, you know, and I'm like, is this a good thing that I'm educating white men on what ashy is or should I be dating someone that knows what ashy is? Well, but they won't
0: know if someone doesn't educate them. And I mean, honestly, like, God bless you, because (laughs) I don't have the patience to educate people on what stuff like that is. But people don't learn unless they're told if that's not their experience. They have to be told. And so... I think that it's good that you're educating them on these things (laughs) so that they know.
1: Also, I'm like, you live in Canada where it's fucking freezing. You mean to tell me you've never dated a girl that was like, I got to put lotion on because it's cold as shit outside? And your skin's drying out? So many questions. What? what? I was very confused. (laughs) One of my favorite stores that I like love to give him shit for (laughs) That's good. that's kind of bad. But, like, he's not the only one. And no. that's where, like, no. yeah, oh, yeah. The education of ashiness is yeah. very important. Oh, yeah. So
0: many questions about skin, hair. Yeah. It, it it goes on. And it it, uh, and yeah. it is, you know, if you are in that position, you do
1: mm-hmm.
0: get put in a position where you are kind of educating. Yes. And there's something wrong with that. But that yeah. is, it's like if you get he, into an interracial relationship, understand that that is part of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean he's he's teaching me about being Canadian. Yeah, so, so <laughs> so it's like two ways. Yeah, I'm like we're educating yeah, each other. We're both learning these life experiences. <laughs> but
0: I think yours are a little more functional, more functional skills yes. that you're sharing.
1: Yes, <laughs> no, and now honestly, he's like, can you put coconut oil on me? Yeah, <laughs> see, his skin is going to be so much better. Absolutely, moisturize people. Absolutely, it's super important.
0: <laughs> So, Super important. okay, switching gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a weird question, but mm-hmm. I get it all the time. I'm terrible at answering it because I'm boring and I do nothing. Mm-hmm. I feel like you'll have better answers. <laughs> okay. So as a fellow fellow Seattleite, what are some of your like Seattle favorites? If someone's visiting Seattle, Mm -hmm. what do they got to check out? Where do they got to go? Because people ask me for recommendations all the time. And I'm like, y'all, the reason why you see so much food on my Instagram (laughs) is because I cook at home because I'm frugal. Like, I don't know where to tell you to go. So. Yes. Seattle recommendations.
1: See, like, I'm frugal, too, and I feel you on that. Like, I try to go to the market, and I have, like, a CSA, mm-hmm. and I try to cook at home as much as I can, but I also like to treat myself sometimes treat to, like, some good food. Like, yeah. I'm very particular. Yeah. If you, like, farm-to-table, if you like vegetarian options, um... I have a few spots for you. Uh, Local 360 Mm. on First Ave Mm -hmm. is one of my absolute favorites. Literally everything is sourced from 360-degree mile radius Mm -hmm. of Seattle. Um, So super local. Even, like, their liqueurs and stuff. (laughs) Um, The desserts there are delicious. Uh, They do have, like, a lot of, like, seafood and options and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But they definitely have, like, some good plant-based options on there. Yeah. Um, I also love going to Terra Plata, mm-hmm. which is in Capitol Hill. Uh, they have like a cute little rooftop and like a little bit pricier plates, but a lot of like plant-based, like locally sourced, listing the farms, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this is like an absolute must. Like I literally tell people if you come to Seattle, yeah. you cannot not go to this spot. But like you have to be – an awesome normal person <laughs> who likes chocolate. Oh, yeah. Um, Hot Cakes is oh. not a pancake shop. Every time I say that, people are like, I oh, like pancakes. I'm like, <laughs> no. Stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hot Cakes is not something to mess around with, guys. Hot Cakes is... An amazing dessert place please tell me you've been there i haven't oh my I need to god out, i know what you're talking about okay like i've heard of it i don't have like a tour guide of seattle but maybe i should like tour guide you and then like you <laughs> can make a guide of seattle there we go <laughs> yes um because i feel like i need to like help you experience <laughs> seattle and you've lived here longer than i have um <laughs> so hot cakes, it's like cho- chocolate molten lava cakes yes. they're like single serve and they come oh. with like ice cream they do like boozy shakes which like I don't drink, but I always say that it's like an exciting thing because yeah. I think people like it. Yeah. Um, they do this amazing chocolate chip cookie with like ice cream on top and caramel and like just all the fun stuff mm. and they do like vegan shakes and they do like a s'mores hot chocolate they have oh this like God. smoked hot chocolate it's so amazing i have some take and bakes here in my <laughs> freezer so we could have one for dessert tonight <laughs> if you'd like here um they are open like late on week on weekends uh their instagram is get your hot cakes and it's beautiful it's honestly beautiful and they like do such a good job of like collaborating with other locals yeah. like vendors and stuff like they're amazing um I'm so disappointed in you you've not got <laughs> hotcakes we're gonna I'm the worst at like doing things we're going to fix this
0: I'm okay. yeah um, I'm on board with this molten chocolate cake I'm, I'm with it
1: yes and the last thing I'll say um food wise is like if you are ever here on a Sunday 100% go to the Ballard Farmer's Market on Sundays yes. it's open year-round it is my absolute favorite, like, literally every Sunday, I go, I pick up my CSA at Collins Family Orchard, mm-hmm. which is, like, apples and yeah. pears in the summer. It's, like, peaches, nectarines, cherries, all the good stuff. Uh, the ramen stand is amazing. Mm. I, like, had never even had ramen, and I went and had their ramen, and then I had other ramens, and I was <laughs> like, these other ramen suck. I was like, this first ramen, I was spoiled. Uh, they're called Brothers and & Co., and they are amazing. Mm. And the Salmon Berry Goods uh, have these delicious pastries, the peanut butter malt cookie. Mm. Oh, so good. They're just wonderful. That sounds amazing. All the vendors at the market. Yeah, the I do love that market. It's, it's the amazing. best one. Yeah. yeah. I love it. It's perfect. Check out the plant shop. Like, just explore Ballard. Have a fun time. Mm-hmm. Go to Golden Gardens. You can watch the Olympic Mountains at sunset. You can go to Cary Park and Queen Anne's to see the sunset of the city with Mount Rainier. There's all kinds of wonderful spots.
0: So many good recommendations. We'll have all of those linked in the show notes. Yes. And if you slide into my DMs and ask me for Seattle recommendations, please don't be offended if I copy and paste what she just said yeah. and <laughs> message it back to you.
1: We'll go, we'll go one day and do like a tour of yeah. Seattle and like I'll show you some and good. And then I'll have some, some recs. Yeah. Have, have you had like Pagliacci pizza? Yeah. Yeah. I've had okay. Pagliacci. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: I know. I don't know what my deal is. I'm like, what do I do all day? I don't know.
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm <laughs> so disappointed in the hot cakes thing. Like,
0: I know. I've heard of it. And I've, like, seen. It looks amazing. I don't know
1: why yeah. I haven't had one yet. I mean, I'm just, like, I'm a big dessert person. Yeah. Like, I literally finish every meal with some kind of a dessert. Mm-hmm. Like, portion controlled. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, like, one square of dark chocolate. Yeah. Um, but hotcakes is just a game fucking changer and i'm like i go to other cities and i'm like y'all don't got no hotcakes i'm like you don't got no good dessert options like what do you do here like how do you live here what's the point yeah like honestly really disappointing to me hotcakes like sets the standard so high so that's
0: numero uno on the recommendation yes. list i think that that talking about hotcakes also how you were saying like Portion controlling the desserts leads us into our last question. Perfectly. What does being a balanced black girl mean to you?
1: Oh boy. Oh boy. (laughs) Um, I think I'm like still figuring that out. Um, I think like feeling grounded in myself Mm -hmm. makes me feel like I'm like a balanced black girl. Mm -hmm. Like honestly, for me, which might be a little different. Um, Feeling balanced as a black girl is like an interesting question because there's like, it's like half of me, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So it's like, I feel balanced as a black girl when I allow myself the space, the judgment free space, to just be me. Yeah. Like, to not put myself in the box or put the mask on Mm -hmm. of being like, whitewashed mm-hmm. and comfortable for white people Yeah. Um, and not feeling like being around white people they're, they're gonna say that I'm acting black or whatever because they're just used to just me just being me at that point mm-hmm. and that's just me mm-hmm. um, it's not necessarily that I'm black it's not necessarily that I'm white but it's like I'm just overall balanced in, in who I am and I'm showing up fully authentically in those interactions mm-hmm. and not being like I don't know. I don't even know how to imitate, like, my white prissy voice. Uh, (laughs) My other, like, black girlfriends do a very good job of it. Um, But (laughs) I think, yeah, just allowing myself to, like, be grounded and feeling, like, that judgment-free space Mm -hmm. is so important for me to, like, feel balanced as, like, the black girl part of me. Mm -hmm. Like, judgment-free space to just be you. Yeah.
0: Ugh. I love that.
1: Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think that that's the perfect note to end it on. Yeah. So Taylor, where can our audience find you if they want to follow you, if they want to listen to your podcast? Mm-hmm. Where can they find you?
1: Yes. Uh, people can listen to my podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, Google Play, any like major platform for podcasting. Uh, it's called Let's Talk About It with Taylor Nolan. And you can follow me on Instagram at Taymocha. Uh, that's T-A-Y-M-O-C-H-A. And I would just like to note, i'm tay mocha not because i'm brown which most people think is the case they're like oh tay because you're brown and i'm like no uh my first cat her name was mocha joe and she was like my sister growing up and so Aww. i just like combined our names together when i was really young <laughs> it was my first email yeah. and i was just like all my you just stuck media. with it yeah i'm Taymoka, just like that's yeah that feels like authentically me yeah I'm just a crazy cat lady i love it Same so yeah contribute to your cat tay mocha
0: that's me <laughs> i love it well thank you so much for being on the show today taylor yeah it's so much fun talking
1: to you me too